0: As healthcare providers, it is actually shocking how few physicians, and this includes OBGYN, internal medicine, family practice, and even cardiologists ask their older female patients about previous histories of hypertensive disorders in pregnancy, specifically preeclampsia. Well, why does that matter? Because there's mounting evidence that these conditions, these hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, specifically preeclampsia, is a general unmasking of future cardiovascular disease. And it's not just cardiovascular health. There's mounting evidence that the development of hypertension in pregnancy, again specifically preeclampsia, actually predisposes to a variety of maladaptive responses in the woman's future years. So in this podcast, we're going to cover the pathophysiology of pregnancy-induced hypertension and how it's potentially linked to adverse outcomes even decades later. Preeclampsia is a relatively common complication in pregnancy with a prevalence of about 3-5%. to It is a leading cause of morbidity and mortality for pregnant women in the developed world and also has a significant economic burden on healthcare systems. Despite many decades of exhaustive research efforts, we have yet to reach a unifying theory explaining why and how preeclampsia occurs in women with no apparent risk factors. The placenta has been the major, long-standing focus of preeclampsia research, not surprising because placental lesions associated with preeclampsia have been described since the early 1940s. The triad of inadequate placentation, placental insufficiency, and vascular reactivity cascade is the most acknowledged explanation of the pathology underlying preeclampsia. However, clinical findings supporting this triad are only found in a minority of all preeclamptic pregnancies and pathological placental lesions in support of this hypothesis may not be as specific as previously thought. Considering that cardiovascular problems associated with preeclampsia are observed both before and after that index pregnancy, it's reasonable to assume that the cardiovascular system may not just be the victim of poor placentation in preeclampsia, but actually play a pivotal role in the pathogenesis of preeclampsia. More recent research has examined the association between this cardiovascular system maladaptive process in preeclampsia in an effort to build an overarching hypothesis to explain better the pathophysiology of the disorder. Look, I'm telling you, there's mounting evidence that even in normal pregnancies, the cardiovascular system undergoes various stressors just to keep up with the advancing demands of pregnancy, and that's without preeclampsia. Hemodynamic changes during pregnancy include a progressive increase in cardiac output and a decrease in systemic vascular resistance, leading to a high-volume, low-resistance circulation. These changes peak in the mid-third trimester before cardiac output falls and systemic vascular resistance increases towards 40 weeks gestation. So the alteration in late pregnancy hemodynamics is actually biologically paradoxical when considering that the respiratory and metabolic demands of the maternal fetal unit increase exponentially with advancing pregnancy. Now, echo studies of uncomplicated, normal pregnancies have demonstrated an excessive increase in the left ventricular mass and remodeling with associated diastolic dysfunction in a small but significant proportion of women at term, all of which revert to normal postpartum. So it's for this reason that pregnancy has been described as an in vivo stress test, which unmasks women who have poor cardiovascular reserve or mild subacute dysfunction. Maternal echo studies in preeclampsia have demonstrated significant cardiac dysfunction both before and at clinical onset of preeclampsia diagnosis. For example, Valenice et al. demonstrated that cardiac output was significantly lower in early onset that was defined as less than 34 weeks preeclamptic cases compared with late onset preeclampsia. Their findings were later confirmed and expanded on by the work of Melchior et al., who showed that preeclampsia was also associated with abnormal cardiac geometry and diastolic dysfunction in the majority of women who developed preeclampsia. A recent systematic review summarized 36 studies of maternal cardiovascular function involving over 800 women with preeclampsia demonstrating that increased vascular resistance and left ventricular mass were the most consistent findings in preeclampsia. So that's a clinical pearl. If you were to do an echo in women with preeclampsia, you would find increased vascular resistance and left ventricular mass as cohort findings in that group. Differentiating features from normal pregnancy were left ventricular wall thickness of greater than 1 centimeter and an exaggerated reduction in early diastole and atrial contraction. Reduced stroke volume, diastolic dysfunction, and left ventricular remodeling are most marked in cases of severe and early onset preeclampsia and are associated with adverse maternal and fetal outcomes, and that's irrespective of the conventional classification used to diagnose preeclampsia. These findings demonstrate that even apparently normal pregnancy presents a significant strain on the maternal cardiovascular system and that in women with evidence of worsening cardiovascular maladaptation, preeclampsia is the recognized clinical phenotype. Man, that's a lot of doctory stuff right there, I'll tell you. But here's what it all means. That initially the thought was that preeclampsia leads to new onset cardiovascular disease later on. But with these new theories, here it is, guys. Here's the clinical pearl. It's actually being thought of now that early subacute cardiovascular dysfunction may actually set the patient up for preeclampsia. In other words, preeclampsia doesn't just cause future cardiovascular issues, preeclampsia may be the result of subclinical cardiovascular maladaptations. And that should kind of mess you up a little bit because that's not traditionally what we were taught. All right, look, guys, when we come back, let's talk about the cardiovascular system in the immediate postpartum period, because just because she's delivered doesn't mean she's out of the woods. You know that. But we're going to focus on the issue of cardiovascular health in the next section. And then we're going to wrap up with really what I wanted to cover, which is the future maladaptive issues that can happen to these poor women. And it's not just limited to the cardiovascular system. But is that really a cure? Just because she's delivered doesn't mean that all of the cardiovascular maladaptive changes just immediately go away. Longitudinal assessment of preeclamptic patients reveal that 50% of these women will have persistent hypertension and increased rates of nocturnal or ambulatory hypertension at 12 weeks postpartum. The significance of persistent postpartum hypertension was underlined in a recent large cohort study by Behrens et al., which showed a high rate of antihypertensive medication use within a year of hypertensive pregnancy when compared with women who had normotensive pregnancies. Now, in the same cohort, the cumulative incidence of hypertension within 10 years of delivery was significantly higher for young women, these are women between 20 and 29 years, after a preeclampsia diagnosis, and that's even when compared with older women who were in their 40s but who did not have a preeclampsia diagnosis. So here's a clinical pearl, a woman in her 20s with preeclampsia has a worse cardiovascular prognosis within 10 years of delivery compared with a woman twice her age. Did y'all get that? That's insane. Notably, the highest risk for development of chronic hypertension is within the first few years after birth. This reinforces the relative importance of preeclampsia as a stronger risk factor for cardiovascular disease than even smoking. The impact of preeclampsia on a woman's life is far from just being a risk factor for heart disease. Up to 40% of women do not get pregnant again after early onset preeclampsia, presumably because of their experience of serious pregnancy morbidity. Increased rates of hospital readmission Poor mental health, increased fatigue, and impaired social functioning in the postpartum period, even up to three years after the index pregnancy, have all been associated with early severe preeclampsia. In addition to globally increased risk of cardiovascular disease, a history of preeclampsia is also associated with six to seven-fold increased hazard of having recurrent ischemic attacks within a year of developing acute coronary syndrome. Women with recurrent preeclampsia are characterized by a shorter lifespan, increased hazard of ischemic heart disease and stroke, and even, in some studies, an increased rate of dementia, and we'll get into that in just a minute. The risk estimates for cardiovascular diseases and mortality differ for women with various subtypes of hypertensive disorders, from mild eclampsia to severe eclampsia, and it's less of a risk with gestational hypertension, but some studies show that even with gestational hypertension, the risk is there, though it's much less. A recent systematic review produced aggregate data to show that recurrent preeclampsia is associated with increased rates of hypertension, ischemic heart disease, heart failure, cerebrovascular accident, and hospitalization because of cardiovascular disease. The persistence and immediacy of findings, such as asymptomatic heart failure, remodeling, or mass hypertension, make them unique markers for identifying women at greater risk. Oh my goodness, before I go on to the final section, which has to do with dementia, I know this is really depressing. I mean, we just want to get these women delivered and then tell them that they're done. But these future issues don't mean that it's absolutely going to happen. Remember, we're talking about hazard ratios and relative risks. And the good news is, is that now we know that there are possibilities. So we can take steps to try to prevent those things from occurring, or as much as possible, at least. Now, according to some data, with the last being just in 2019, preeclampsia is also linked potentially to a specific type of future dementia. Women with a history of preeclampsia were 3.4 times more likely to suffer from vascular dementia later in life, according to some data. This form of dementia is triggered by impaired blood flow in the brain. The association does make sense, given that preeclampsia is a complication that affects blood vessels. Remember, it's not just the placenta, but it's this vasospastic and maladaptive vasculature that leads to the condition or unmasked condition even more. Now here's the good news. This issue on dementia is not hard and fast. Actually, it's somewhat controversial. A study in October 2018 in the American Heart Association's journal Hypertension found that hypertension did not predispose women to significant cognitive impairment later in life. Those researchers actually analyzed the data and accounted for other risk factors and physical items like depression, body mass index, and even educational level and found that those factors contributed more to mental decline than preeclampsia per se. So the issue on vascular dementia is not clear, but what is definitely clear is the future cardiovascular manifestations down the road from preeclampsia. But, as we come to the end of the podcast, as they say in those late-night TV infomercials, but wait, there's more. Yep, in April of 2019, a study was published that linked preeclampsia with later increased risk of chronic kidney disease. I mean, are you kidding me? So the whole idea is that this is not just a cardiovascular issue down the road, but it could hit other organs, including the brain and the kidney. According to this BMJ report, court. Preeclampsia, particularly early preterm preeclampsia, was strongly associated with several chronic renal disorders later in life. But the authors recognized that more research was needed to determine which women were more likely to develop kidney disease after preeclampsia, what mechanisms underlie the association, and what clinical follow up and interventions can be done to try to prevent deterioration of renal status. All right, podcast family, so what's the take-home message here? Well, the take-home is pretty easy. Just because we do the cure for preeclampsia, which is delivery, doesn't mean that she's out of the woods. Actually, these manifestations down the road can occur 10 to 15 years later. Just like gestational diabetes can increase a woman's lifetime risk for frank diabetes, so can preeclampsia unmask future cardiovascular health issues and including vascular dementia in some studies. So remember, we have to educate our patients that just because she had the cure of preeclampsia being delivery doesn't mean she's out of harm's way. Well, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. Thanks for being part of this journey with us, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.